We'll be in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, and I'm sure that we'll see a lot more scripture than that tonight, but we'll start there. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. Paul is writing now the second epistle to Timothy, who is a young man, a pastor in Ephesus, and he is explaining to him how to run a church. And he's telling him, all, giving him all the advice he needs so that people know how to behave in the house of God, which is exactly how he worded it in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. This is the structure that Paul passed on to Timothy and now Timothy is responsible to pass this on to the next generation of believers coming after him and I believe verse 2 is the answer to perpetuating the church and the ministry of the gospel from one generation to the next so if you would I'd like to pause there would you bow your heads with me let's have a word of prayer and then we're gonna dig right in and talk about some very important things father please help us tonight Thank you for the report on the missionary. Thank you for Brother Agrippa. Lord, how you took care of him. Father, thank you for these people that have come back tonight. Thank you for the Spirit of God that's already moving in this place. Father, please, would you have complete control tonight? Would you do whatever you please in our hearts? Lord, we believe what you said, that it is God that, that works and, and he, in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. Father, we believe that tonight, and we want to submit to that tonight. Work in us, change us, make us what you want us to be. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning I, I had a very strange request. I normally don't say it outright, but I asked you to come back tonight. Uh, now, for those of you that weren't here this morning, might I say that you cheated yourself to a certain extent because this sermon is part two. This is... I am picking up where we left off this morning. Now, we were in Judges chapter 10 this morning. So a very different place as far as the story and the narrative. However, the point that is going to be made, it dovetails from what we talked about this morning. So let me remind you very quickly what we talked about. I preached a sermon that it was called, God Has Feelings Too. And we talked about how the people of God can offend Him and grieve him God does get angry he does get hurt the Bible told us that his soul was grieved his people were miserable stressed out 18 years of non-stop pressure and they brought it on themselves we also talked about how the mercy of God far exceeds his wrath and that if people will genuinely repent and turn and make the necessary changes in their life, God will grant deliverance. I asked at the end of the sermon if anybody would volunteer because at the end of Ju Judges chapter 10, that's what they were looking for. Anybody that would rise up and take it upon themselves to do something about it. Let's fix the problem. Let's get back to worshiping God the way we should. We had some volunteers. Thank God for that. 
some of the people that volunteered and stood decided not to come tonight. I'm not going to be quick to judge that because I don't know why they didn't. Right? I don't know why they didn't. But I believe it manifests part of the problem. I actually had somebody come to me after the service and this was a very intelligent question. And I'm glad that this person picked up on it. They said, Pastor, what can I do? What can I do? I was impressed. This is somebody willing to take action. I was intentionally vague. When I said, rise up and volunteer, I did not tell you exactly what you're volunteering for. Here am I, send me. God, use me. I'll do whatever it takes. That was the invitation. Many reacted. But now I'm going to tell you what you can do. So tonight's lesson is called, What Can We Do? 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. Look in the middle of the verse. The same commit thou to what kind of men? Faithful men. What do we do about it? We hear a sermon like we heard this morning. We've offended God. We need to apologize. How do we fix it? Do we just stand at the end of the sermon and is that how we fix it? Is that the end of it? Do we come to the altar and pray once and have a very emotional experience? Maybe a few tears are shed and then we go right back. That's not how to fix it. The answer is one person at a time voluntarily becoming faithful. I'd like to say you've heard me say this before, but I can't be sure of that because maybe you don't come to all the services. But if you do come to the services, you have heard me say before that I believe at the very heart of the issue, the, the, the secret behind, behind getting people to come to church faithfully and serve the Lord faithfully is falling in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. If I twist your arm and constantly put a guilt trip on you for not being in church, then you might show up, but you may not be here for the right reasons. Therefore, much better to concentrate on helping you fall in love with the Lord. I have done the level best I can to help you with that. But I also have a responsibility as the pastor to, to point out areas where we can improve. So sometimes I have to hit the nail directly on the head. Sometimes I can't dance around the issue. Sometimes I just have to come right out and say it. Thus saith the Lord and get right to the point. When I first arrived in Patrasthrum, began holding discipleship classes and meeting with people in their homes, I got this question over and over again. And let me say, it was a legitimate question. I'm glad that they asked. No problems with it. Pastor Mike, are you permanent? Are you planning to be here permanently? And, and I understand the reason for that question. They don't want to get involved in something temporary. If, if they're going to leave whatever church they were at or change whatever needs to be changed in their life, they don't want to do it for just a few months if this American missionary is just passing through town and not going to be here a while. So I fully understand that. I appreciated that because it indicated to me that they're interested in making a long-term commitment. 
I thought maybe I could use that question, but the other way around tonight. Are you permanent? Let, let's just bear in mind, and I, if I might borrow the words of the Apostle Paul, I speak as a fool. Anytime that he had to talk about what he's done for the Lord, he always prefaced it by saying, I speak as a fool. Because we're not supposed to bring attention to what we've done. Right? But, but, but guys, I, I, I left kin in country. I've been on this side of the world for a decent portion of my life now. Kind of looks permanent. I hear people complain about South Africa day and night. And I mean that. That's not an exaggeration. I chose to be here. Many of you didn't. I have permanent residency in this country now. I am still a United States citizen, but I am a permanent resident of South Africa. I have an ID book. The day that I was issued my permanent residency, I wore Kortbrücke. You remember that? You guys have been with us for a while. You remember that? I wore the court, 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 buy a court, brucka. With the tuya clearer, the two colored shirt, you know, and a leather hat. And I, I had the, the, I don't know, what do you call them? Burra boots. I had the, the farmer, farmer shoes. I had my socks pulled up to my knees. I felt so ridiculous. Whoa. This was me saying... I'm one of you now. That was me saying, I, I mean to be here. I, I don't, my family and I, we've never even thought about owning a home because we're not allowed to until we got permanent residency and then, praise God, He gave us a wonderful place to live. I, th I think we put down some roots. So I can confidently say I'm permanent, Right? Are you? Are you? I, I, I'm, I'm, I have to bring this out, guys, because this is a pivotal point in our church. That's why I asked everybody to come back tonight. You, you need to understand what we're about to do. If we're going to send missionaries out, if we're going to send them to Russia, the other side of the world, 80 towns two pastors 80 towns and maybe 20 teenagers know Christ in the entire in all of Kamchatka if we're going to send people to labor there i told you after he gave his presentation we better step up as a church that is a long term commitment we cannot send them across the world and then fold up shop here we can't do it and don't you don't you think that the devil's just going to stand back and watch this happen we send him out and sure enough he's going to he's going to try to get right in the middle of something because if he can destroy the foundation the the support structure then potentially they have to come back home so we better step up as a church. We better decide, are we permanent? And the, the way that you cast your vote, it starts by volunteering, but it's manifested through faithfulness. 
getting involved, being where you need to be, when you need to be there. If we're going to send out Agrippa and his wife to Mozambique, send them to Russia, if we're going to be involved in India, if we're going to build a building, that's a long-term decision. That's a permanent move. Well, guys, listen. I preached on it a few weeks ago. I don't know if you put it all together. But if we don't take the local church seriously, Jesus removes the candlestick. That's not up to me. That's not up to me. It's not like I look at it and go, eh, we don't have enough people, so I quit. When Jesus opens a door, nobody can shut it. And when he closes a door, nobody can open it. So what should I do? If I see a church that is not willing to make a long-term commitment, how do you show me that? Faithfulness. Being dependable. If you're not willing to take that step without me constantly reminding you to do it, I don't want to make long-term commitments to them. I don't want to tell Agrippa, we'll be here for you no matter what. I don't want to say that. Guys, it doesn't bother me to meet in a schoolroom. I know a lot of advantages for having your own building. I've been doing this a little while. I, I know the advantages of it. It will help in many ways, but if we're not going to be faithful, what's the point? What's the point? We have to make a full-time, permanent commitment to do what? To see the church the way God sees the church. Did you know God takes His house pretty seriously? Ask Israel. Have you read the Old Testament? God built a house. He told David, build a house, right? And he, well, David, he passed the plans on to Solomon. Solomon built the house. But David had the whole structure for it. The pattern of the temple gave it to him. That was a very special place. And the people, as soon as it got built, for that generation, it was fine. But when the next generation sprung up, they forsook the house, the house of God. And God continually sent prophets to try to get them back where they needed to be. And eventually God said, you don't want to come to my house? Fine. You go live in another land. I won't give you access to it. And he burned it to the ground. Do you know what God called Nebuchadnezzar in Jeremiah 25 verse 9? He said, Nebuchadnezzar is my servant. Nebuchadnezzar did God a service. Were you here this morning? God sold them. What was the price? Nebuchadnezzar, all I ask of you, you can have my people. They'll live in your land. You can educate them, make them Babylonians, whatever you want to do with them, because they certainly don't want to be my people. They're not acting like my people. And all I ask of you is that you burn that house to the ground to get their attention. Did you know it was a, as a result of the temple being burned to the ground that Jews began to meet in small meeting places and that's where synagogues came from? Little local churches. Because by the time Christianity got started, almost 500 years later, it was, the idea of it was we need to have small local assemblies. It sprung from the temple being burned to the ground. So if you want to study just how important the house of God is, the local meeting place for believers, your Bible's filled with it. 
literally filled with it. We need to see the church as God sees it. We need to take it as seriously as He does. Moms and dads, would you help me here for a moment? Have you ever seen your kids start to go wayward? Do you remember how that felt? When you see your kids go in the wrong direction? Do you remember the feeling, the pain, the grief, the affliction? Do you remember how hard it was to sit them down and say, Listen, son, daughter, please don't do that. I beg you, think, think about what you're doing. Please, please don't do that. That's what's happening tonight. Please, church, please, you need to see just how important it is. Let me show you a few things from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. He says here, first of all, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Paul, he had this real faithful guy, Timothy. Timothy's dad was a, a Greek, a Gentile. His mom was a Jew somewhere along the line. Timothy got saved. I don't know if Paul was the one that led him to Christ or not. At least, at the very least, Paul discipled Timothy. But notice here, he says, the things that you've heard of me. Timothy, he not only, he was there. He showed up. Whenever Paul was preaching, he showed up. Do you see that in it? You've heard it of me. But look at what else he says. You've heard of me among many witnesses. It wasn't a one-on-one -on -one session. Timothy showed up to church. And as soon as Paul needed some help in the ministry in other places, he knew who to call. When another town needed a good pastor, whether it was the Philippians, the Ephesians, other places, Paul looked at Timothy. In Philippians, he said this. He said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. He said, that's why I'm going to send you Timothy. I got this one guy here. He's not thinking about himself. He's concerned about the things of Christ. And I can trust him. The next verse he says, but ye know, ye know the proof of him. Ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. That's Philippians 2 in verse 22. He says, you know the proof of him. What's the evidence? Why were the Philippians able to trust Timothy? He said, because you guys know that everywhere I went, Timothy was with me. He was like a son with the father. He was hanging on every word, and Paul could rely on him. The key phrase there, he says, he hath served with me in the gospel. Timothy didn't say, Paul, I'll go do my thing somewhere else on my schedule the way I want to, because I got a busy life and other things to do. Whenever I have time for the service of Christ, thanks for the Bible studies, dit was lekker, but I'll... He didn't say that. He said, Paul, wherever you're at, I'll be a part of it. I'll help you out. I'm right there for you. It started with Timothy being faithful. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. That's a church service. Look at the next part. The same commit thou to faithful men. Paul tells Timothy, now what you've learned, you go pass that stuff on to the next generation of Christians, but Timothy... Don't waste your time on unfaithful people. 
Make sure they're faithful. Make sure they're faithful. Invest time in the ones that really do mean it. How do you know if they mean it? They'll be there. They'll be there. You can count on them. Guys, understand this. Since the book of Acts started, the local church has been God's vehicle for getting the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. Right? Start in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. That's Acts 1 verse 8. What happened in Acts 2? Holy Ghost comes down, 3,000 get saved, they get baptized, and they join the church. Please read it later. Acts 2 verse 47, it says, it says, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. God saved them and then put them in a church. Why? So that they could grow so that they could encourage one another, so that they could combine their efforts and eventually take the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. It has always been God's plan to use the local church to get the job done. It was never His intention for us to break off as individuals and just do the best we can by ourselves. He's always intended it to be a group effort. That's why we call it the body of Christ and not just the finger of Christ or the toe of Christ. It's the body. It is meant to be a group effort. Can I ask you to find some verses with me? Can you come to Hebrews 10, please? Verse 25. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. While we're looking at it, we're going to read verse 24 with it. He says in Hebrews 10, 24, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. As the manner of some is. As far back as, what is this, 60 A.D.-ish, the book of Hebrews is written. As far back as then, there were already people skipping out on church. This is an age-old problem, and from the early days, the apostles were pointing it out and saying, now don't quit, don't give up on it, remain faithful. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Check this out. My job as the pastor is to exhort you. Is that correct? Is that a biblical truth? Sure it is. Sure it is. This verse says you're supposed to exhort one another. How do you think you do that? By showing up. Just look at the verse. When you fail to assemble together faithfully, that discourages. When you pitch up and actually get involved and sing like you guys did tonight. Outstanding. My voice is shot. I can't sing anymore. It was wonderful to hear you guys sing. Now see, that encouraged me. You exhorted me tonight. To see many of you pitch up for church tonight. You're exhorting me. You're ministering to me. You're doing something to help this church by, by getting more involved, even if it is just showing up. 
he says exhorting one another and look at the next phrase and so much the more as you see the day approaching what is when he says so much the more much more of what well, well the verse tells you what it is more assembling guys I am on one I'm very confident in what I'm saying tonight because I didn't write this stuff <laughs> if it was just me trying to get you to do something that I wanted a preference I would be nervous but I'm not I understand the significance of God putting a local church together and then saying get involved I've pointed this out before I'm gonna say it again so that in case if you're fairly new with us I want you to know where my hearts at in this guys I don't get a paycheck here you understand that I don't get paid here and I'm not saying that so that you pay me that's I'm supported as a missionary I, I have support from elsewhere so that I can continue the ministry work in Malawi and do special things here and I like it that way please understand that you folks have already told me that you would support me if if it came to that I, I just want you to know I recognize that but I also want you to know that I'm not preaching this sermon tonight so that we get more members so that the tithe goes up so that I get more money that's not it I get the same amount of support if you're 200 or 2 same same the reason I'm teaching this is for your benefit not mine I believe this would help I believe this is absolutely necessary might I ask you this do any of you get your schedule from your boss and then say well I'll pitch up uh, Monday no I'm not available Tuesday I have friends coming in from out of town Wednesday yeah Wednesday's not good for me I just don't like Wednesday. Thursday I think I will see is that how you do it why why not R really why you students now now some of you do this so you really need to hear this <laughs> I'll go to class here and not there if I feel like it I don't like that prof and so forth some of you I don't know why you go to class you go there and play video games here's what you're doing you're saying I don't care what the authority says I'll do what I want when I want how I want you understand that God when he created everything immediately he set up a structure for authority you guys realize this Genesis 1 26 God said let us make man in our image after our likeness verse 27 God made male and female and he blessed them verse 28 be fruitful multiply replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion a structure for authority somebody's got to be in charge which means somebody has to submit and it exists look around look every everywhere you look you see it there's a government and there's citizens somebody's in charge somebody's supposed to listen there's a teacher there's a student there's the parents there's a child there's a husband there's a wife there's a boss there's an employee right L listen to this one there's a pastor there's a church I, I, uh, I, I hate preaching on that because as soon as you say that type of thing 
Um, if you're like me, all flesh is grass, right? So if you're like me, you prickle at that. Ooh, who do you think you are telling us to obey you? Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just preaching the Bible. <laughs> I, I, I'm so sorry, but turn the page and, and look, look at Hebrews 13, verse 17. Guys, please feel free, and, and I mean this, if, if I say something tonight that is outside of the Scripture or wrong, please feel free to approach me afterwards, right, calmly. But come and say, Pastor Mike, I'm a little confused because you said this and I think the Bible says that. and I, I'm, I'm open for that. If I've got something wrong, I appreciate somebody pointing that out in the right way. Yeah. But I, I think this is biblical. Hebrews 13, verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves. That's your job, it's not mine. You may not be aware that this needs to be done though. Hence, I'm pointing it out. Because, as far as I've seen, the typical attitude towards church in this part of the world is it's, it's an elective. You don't have to do it. It's there if you want to, but it's certainly not an obligation. It certainly shouldn't take precedent over somebody popping by for a quick visit. God forbid if you have visitors from out of town that show up on Sunday, by all means you're under no obligation to come to church. I hope you detect the sarcasm in that. Sorry pastor, didn't come to church today. You know the rain, you know it rained. No, I had that three weeks ago when it rained, or four weeks ago. What, what do I do with that? Could you imagine calling your boss and saying, I'm not coming to work today, it's raining. Bye-bye <laughs> <laughs> <Bye> job. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't take you seriously if, if, if you think like that. What do we do with that? That's not a faithful guy. The slightest problem and all of a sudden, that's nah, not an obligation. What? When God set up His temple in the Old Testament, I'm pretty sure He said there are certain days you have to be there. Every seventh day you have to rest. You have to take that day off to spend time with me. That was the rule. What, we get to the New Testament, He says, okay, everybody relax, you don't have to take me that seriously. That's, that's not how God operates. In verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Well, now that's not the government. That's not your boss. It's not the professor at the school. It's your pastor. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. See, it's not, it's not to profit the pastor. It helps you. It's the structure that God set up. So watch this. Mom, Dad, please listen to this part. Yeah, we don't have to go to church. Eh, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, we'll go when we feel like, eh, we slept in work. Yeah, no big deal. What you're doing is saying the authority structure that God has put over us spiritually isn't that important. We'll do what we feel like doing when we feel like doing it. Okay, how does this work then when booty or sissy comes to you and you've told them, clean your room, don't do this, put that down. Eh, but I don't want to. I want to do it my way. And they thumb the nose at your authority. Tell me what leg you have to stand on. 
obey, but mom, dad, you're not. Imagine if you set the example when something's important like God and, and His church, we make time for it. And nothing gets in the way of it. I, listen, I know there are exceptional things. I get that. Listen, I know that. You know that. But as a rule, that's a high on the priority list. So tonight in verse 17, are you causing joy or grief? Do you see the connection with this morning? You grieve the heart of God. You might grieve the pastor's heart. Because one week you're here, the next week he's wondering, what happened to you? Are you in the hospital? Do you have a family emergency? Is something tragic happened? Or did you put God second again? Whatever the case, I'm concerned. Shouldn't I be? Shouldn't I be? On any given Sunday... I look out and I can see about 30 or 40 people that might be here but aren't. They, they come and they go. 30 to 40. Forget the 99 and the one that goes astray. I wish I had those odds. <laughs> There's too many sheep running around doing their own thing. They're, they're moving about as if they're a sheep without a shepherd. So what, what does that tell me? What am, how am I supposed to take that? Well, it hurts. Come to Proverbs chapter 25. It's no secret to any of you. I mentioned it earlier that we are a, a body. We're not just a finger or a toe. We're, a, we're the body of Christ. And I think you understand that each member of the body has different functions, different abilities, different specialities. All of us are going to have something different to offer, right? And that's why it's so important that everybody pitches in. You, you can't have just two or three members of the body doing all the work. Our body's not built like that. Those two or three parts can't take all the stress for that long of time. Everybody has to pull their weight. Now, everybody's abilities are going to be different. These abilities, these gifts, they're all going to be different. But one ability that we all need to have is dependability. Can we count on you to use that God-given ability when it needs to be used? Or, when we need to take a step in your direction, are we afraid to put any weight on you because you'll buckle under the pressure. We may look and say, I need so... Oh, they're not here today. But Proverbs 25 and verse number 19. Solomon says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. So you have the food in your mouth, you're ready to chomp down and get down to business and as soon as you bite down, you find out the tooth is broken. If you've ever had that, you know that is excruciating. The pain of a broken tooth. Especially when you don't realize that it's a mess. And you go to put pressure on it, and it can't handle the pressure. You can't depend on that tooth. Or you go to take a step, and that foot, you've rolled the ankle and hurt it so bad, you go to take a step, and it can't take the full weight 
of, of, of your body leaning on that side and uh, immediately you jump and, 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 and yelp. The body, I mentioned it this morning, the church is broken. The body of Christ is broken. There are certain parts that just aren't functioning properly. We go to put weight on it. We need to ask you to do something, but we can't because we don't know if you're going to be here. Who do we turn to? Who do we depend on? Jesus said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Right? Guys, we're not asking a massive thing to say, please show up to church. I think that's one of the least things you could do. I'm not even asking you to give anything. Keep your money. Just, just show up with a hungry heart and a, and a ready and willing spirit to worship God and learn and let Him work in you. That's the least but if we can't trust you in the least, who's going to commit to your trust the true riches? Like actually asking you to get involved and minister to someone else. We, we're never going to give that responsibility to you. We're not going to ask you to do anything because we don't know if you'll be here. I'm not one of these pastors. I, I, I by the grace of God, will never do this. I do not give people jobs and responsibilities in the church so that they come. I've seen that happen so many times. So, so-and-so's, you know, they're in and out, not really faithful. Ah, eh, well, let's make him a deacon, then he has to come. No, not you, Francois, don't worry. <laughs> I, I've already said we don't do that here. Let's make him a deacon. And now you've got a bunch of unsaved deacons that don't know Genesis from Revelation. Let's make him an odling. Let's give him a position on the church board. Let's make him a trustee. Why? Because he's got money, not because he's spiritual. Not because he's faithful. You can't depend on him. He doesn't even come to church maybe once every two months. But that's an older leg. We're not going to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll give, we will, we will have people come into the ministry and get involved after they've shown that they're faithful. That is a privilege to be earned. Paul said, Jesus counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. First faithful, then ministry. First faithful, then you get involved. You heard me this morning ask for an ushers meeting, yes? Had the ushers get together. And we're looking for some men that we could ask to be here and greet and help and just do various things to help in the church. Francois and I, we went through the entire list. All the church members. You guys have been signing up as, as members, yeah? We went through the whole list. Beyond the men that have already been involved as ushers, the whole list, we found one other man that could possibly qualify. You know what it takes to be an usher? You have to show up a little bit early. And then you have to pay attention. <laughs> And we, we found one other person. Do you understand why I'm a little alarmed at that? If I look through the list and say, yeesh, can't ask him. I, he doesn't come all the time. Uh, he's got this going on. And, 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 on down. And, and then you want us to take long-term missionary work on? You want us to build? No. 
No, 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 no. Not going to do that. Not going to do it. Can I show you another verse? Let's come to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Jesus gave a parable about some servants that were given a pound and when the Lord came back he judged the servants to see how much they had gained by trading and the reason he rewarded them with a certain amount of inheritance he said because thou hast been faithful in a very little I'll give you authority over ten cities five cities you know what the Lord's interested in not how many people show up not not how much money you make he's not interested in numbers per se you know what he's interested in faithful could he count on you to do what he gifted you to do could he count on you to use the pound to use the talent that he gave you that's all he's looking for dependability in second corinthians 8 i'm oh god help me verse number five paul is using the macedonia macedonian churches as an example for the corinthians these are the Philippians and the Thessalonians that did this. But these people were very poor. You can see that in verse 2. They had deep poverty. And yet they wanted to give. And Paul says in verse 5, And this they did. So they gave the money. Not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now, I'm going to point something out about this verse that I've never spoken of in church. I mention it very briefly when I teach the discipleship course. I never spend long on this. So this might be the only time I ever mention this, ever, like as in my, my entire life. Before they gave their money, they gave themselves. And they gave themselves in two places. To the Lord first, rightfully so. And, Paul says, and unto us by the will of God. What do you think that means? Think on that for a moment. What do you think that means? They gave themselves to the Lord. What does that mean? How does that sound? That, that's somebody volunteering. God, please use me. Here am I. Send me. Okay. If God's going to take that seriously, what does that person need to do to qualify to be used? Faithful. God doesn't say, okay, let's see if you can tick all the boxes for all these special talents because you have to be this intelligent and this rich and this likable to be... In. No, He just says, one box. Can I depend on you? Can I have any confidence in you? When I need you to be there, will you be there? Or are you going to make for schooling after for schooling after, after excuse after excuse? What, what kind of person are you? So when you give yourself to the Lord, isn't that, am I right? The church, anybody got a problem with that? I think that sounds about right. I think that's biblical. Then what about the last part? Gave themselves to the Lord and unto us. How does that sound? Preacher? Anything I can do? What's the preacher going to ask? How much money you got? <laughs> That's not my question. How intelligent are you? It's not my question. What I'll be looking for next is can I depend on you? 
Now, I'm, I'm, guys, I'm being very cautious tonight not to overstep my bounds. I'm staying within biblical boundaries and saying this, am I not? There it stands. This is something Paul commended in these people. And if we are going to make a long-term commitment to God, then we have to be faithful as a church. Why would He trust us with long-term missions? Why would He bless us with a permanent building? Why would we do anything long-term if He can't depend on us? Can you come back to 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, please? The thought struck me as I was preparing for this. In 2 Corinthians 8, they gave themselves to the Lord, then to the church, and then they gave their money. Do you know what they had that, that resulted in all that? They had deep poverty. Maybe that's what we need. Some, somebody asked me this week, they said, Brother Mike, what do you think it would take for our church to really kick in and get, get so involved that it would match the New Testament type of a church? I prayed about it this week. You, you know what the, the thought that kept coming to my mind? We need persecution. I don't know what else is going to do it. Maybe poverty would do it. Deep poverty. I know I'm not supposed to talk like that, right? I know. I'm supposed to give you something uplifting. I'm trying to lift you up closer to the Lord. How's that? <laughs> That's uplifting. <laughs> That's I don't know about you, I appreciate it when somebody tells me the truth. Uh, that, that's that's kind of how I'm trying to help tonight. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Before you'll be able to teach anybody, anybody else anything at all, you have to be faithful. Do you see that? Commit it to faithful men, and then the faithful men will teach others also. I would never recommend to any new Christian, look at that unfaithful guy's life, follow him. Sit with that guy, let him teach you something. I would never recommend that. I don't care how much of the Bible he knows, or she knows. If they're not faithful, it kind of is, it's a game changer, it ruins the whole thing. I, I need to, I guess this is more of an announcement I'm making at this point. I told the discipleship class this past Tuesday, it was our final lesson for the year, that I'm done teaching discipleship. I'm still praying about how to work this out. And here's my reason for this. The point, right, the reason to disciple people is so that you will eventually learn how to teach others also. The process is not, let me do all the teaching. At, at a certain point, you need to become the teacher. Now, I understand the objection to this. But Brother Mike, I'm, that's not my gift. I'm not a very good teacher. You can explain the information so much better than me. So I'll just bring the people to you and let them teach. I get that. that. That makes sense. Guess how I learned how to teach the way I do. I just stuck with it and stuck with it and stuck with it. That's how you learn the Bible, guys. 
not only to be a hearer, but to start doing it. So please understand, I, 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 need, I want to explain this. I want to make sure you, we're on the same page here. Discipleship is not 16 lessons in a book. Those are Bible studies that lay the groundwork for discipleship. Discipleship is a lifelong commitment of you following Christ. I understand certain people are going to be much better suited to actually sit down, open up the discipleship book we use, and teach the material. I understand that. I realize not everybody's going to be doing that part of it. Are, are we good with that? Yeah? See, I'm not, I'm not trying to put undue pressure on you and make you think every single person has to be able to teach that stuff. But why should you not strive for that? Why not at least try and aim for it? Come to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. The, the author of Hebrews writes in verse number 12, Hebrews 5 and verse 12. He's rebuking these people. He says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers. Who's he talking to? Is he talking to pastors? No. You know who he's talking to? Believers. Are you a believer? you believer then there will come a time when you ought to be a teacher and I'm confident to say that to everybody stick stick with me don't don't tune me out yet because I'm going to explain this for when for the time ye ought to be teachers ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age they grew up I preached on that this morning they grew up there comes a time when Jesus says I'm going away and it's good for you if I go away now you have to do it now you have to step up now it becomes your responsibility not just the pastor not just someone else he says even those in the middle of verse, verse 14, even those who by reason of what? Are you in the middle of verse 14 with me? Full age, even those who by reason of what? Use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. How do you get from the baby stage using the milk to a full-grown, mature Christian who is able to deal with the strong meat? You use it. You use it. let's clear up the misconception about discipleship teaching Bible studies to someone is a specialized thing and it helps if God has given you a gift for teaching every single believer should strive to understand the material enough so that they can tell others about it but you do need to recognize your limits you may not be cut out to do such a thing on an ongoing basis so you're not a teacher in that sense that's not your calling listen you can still disciple people he said but brother Mike I thought discipleship was teaching them the lessons in the book that's 
Those are Bible studies in a book. That's not all there is to discipleship. Here's what you do. You say, I'm not cut out to teach. I'm not very good at explaining things. Okay. As you grow as a Christian, eventually you should be the one discipling others. You take somebody under, under your wing and you say, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, I'm not real good at explaining all the doctrines and answering all the Bible questions, but I know someone who is. So you and me, we'll go sit with, the, with some other teacher and we'll let them teach us. But I'll disciple you. He said, but no, no, the guy who's teaching is doing the discipling. Oh, no, no, no. You are teaching that person something very valuable. You're teaching them how to get fed. You are showing them that spiritual things are important. You are showing them that you care about their spiritual growth. You are showing them that they can depend on somebody to be there for them. That's discipleship. Let me show this to you. Come to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. <clears throat> Mark chapter 3 and verse number 14. Mark 3 verse 14. Jesus says, and, or the Bible says here, and he ordained twelve. So that's the apostles. That they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Now, our mind, our eye, tends to jump to the end of the verse and say, well, see, he sent them forth to preach. Don't miss the middle of that. He chose them. He called them out and said, you twelve, come here. Yes, Lord. Just be with me for a while. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. How? Did he, did he sit the twelve apostles down and give them 16 lessons and say, okay, now you got it. He said, you be with me. Where I go, you go. When I'm, when I'm speaking, pay attention. You just be there. What did Paul say about Timothy? As a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. You know what Jesus is asking them to do? Just be faithful. Just be with me. And in due time, you'll be ready and I'll send you out. But first of all, you must be faithful. If you want to disciple somebody else, what you need to do is first put into action what you know you should be doing. Now you're the right example. Then somebody else can follow you and actually make some progress. Can I come to you tonight and say, listen, we have a new Christian just freshly saved and I'd like for them to start growing. I'd like for them to fellowship with you for a while. I believe that you could teach them some things not by sitting down with a Bible study but by watching you by listening to you brag on the Lord by seeing you come to every service with a hungry attitude and they sit next to you during the service and they learn oh this is how you come to church you come passionate and singing and cheerfully giving and listening and shaking hands and greeting people because you want them to come back Can we ask you to do that? Would I ask you to do that? Well, probably not because I don't know if you're going to be here. And here we got a new Christian that I need, I need to say, look up to this guy. He's the example. Are, are you the example? Paul told Timothy, be thou an example to the believers. 
And Timothy's supposed to pass that on. One last place, Ephesians chapter 4. Coming down the home stretch. Ephesians chapter 4. Guys, spending time with people, praying with them, going out witnessing together, sitting around over a coffee talking about the Lord, making hospital visits together, digging, digging a ditch, digging a new foundation for a church building together, singing together, laughing together, watching a movie together, going to their house just to help them with something, cooking together with them. All of that can be forms of discipleship. It's you saying to that person, Come be with me for a while. I'll show you what a Christian is. Anybody can do that. Everybody should do that. You may not be the one teaching the actual lessons, but you can make disciples. Maybe I can put it like this. Does this ring true? You may not go through the, the book and teach the lessons. Your life should be the Bible study in action. You don't even have to open a book. Say, you want to learn about giving? Watch this. You want to learn about the church? Watch this. I don't know where the verses are at, but I can do them. You want to learn about witnessing? Follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. I can't find the verses on it, because, man, Brother Mike knows all those verses, but, but bless God, I know how to do it. And I do it. You want to learn about prayer? Ah, man, the Bible says so much about it. Let's just go do it together. You should be a living example of the Bible studies. Faithful men end up teaching others. We don't want unfaithful men teaching anyone their bad habits. Ephesians 4, verse number 11. And he, the he there, the pronoun that refers to Jesus, up in verse 7 and 8. And he gave some apostles. Now, these are the gifts that Jesus gave. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Those men that God has put into the ministry, they are the gifts. You, you can look at it in verse 7 and 8. They are the gifts. He says, church, here you go. I've equipped these men so that they can help you. So I've equipped Paul so he can help Timothy, so Timothy can help faithful men, so that the faithful men can teach others also, and then the church doesn't break down. It perpetuates. We don't need to constantly send more missionaries back to South Africa every five years. But we start a church and it runs off of biblical framework and all of a sudden it can just keep going for hundreds of years if you do it this way what's the job of these ministers verse 12 for the perfecting of the saints to, to complete you to help you become more like Christ for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ to build it up look in the middle thing there for the work of the what pastor is not supposed to do it all. He's supposed to, to teach you and you and you and you and you and you and you. And he says, here's what everybody can do. 
so that the body works nicely together so that we can reach the world. You see guys, people asked, Brother Mike, are you permanent? Obviously not. I'm mortal. <laughs> what kind of a question is that? I, I mean, I know, I can understand where you might get confused. You know, you see this, this, this strong strapping body, you go, are you... Come down from heaven? I, I get it. Listen, I get that a lot. I get that and people ask me all the time, do you know John Cena? They do, they ask me that all the time. You can't see it. I get that question constantly. It's the muscles. I understand the confusion. I, 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 nonetheless, I'm just immortal. That sounds so ridiculous to say that. That goes without saying. I am as permanent as I, as I can be, but I won't be here forever. <clears throat> so when I die, what's the plan? You see, I'm thinking about the ministry and reaching people for Christ long after I'm dead. Because it shouldn't, the ministry doesn't die with me. So I want to make sure you guys have the tools that if I drop dead, you just keep a right on going. Do you see the plan now? And if I keep doing it all, and I teach all the classes, and I do all the discipling, you're not going to know what to do. I drop dead, and we all just stand around looking at each other going, shame. That's how, that's how you South Africans react to tragedy, shame. And nobody does anything. The church goes up and it's done. And then they come home. They're back from Russia. And Agrippa can't be in my, and, and then the whole thing just falls apart. I don't want that. I don't want that. Guys, this might happen sooner than you think. Let me tell you how. I'm not planning on dying, but... I'm, I'm full of all sorts of announcements tonight, aren't I? <laughs> yes. Guys... I, my, my, my voice, I don't know how long this is going to last. I am in, a, in an amazing amount of pain. And I don't know what to do about it. I've seen the doctors. I've seen the voice therapist. I've listened to their advice. I've done it. This is as excited as I can get. It hurts so bad I have to hold my mouth differently now when I speak. I can't smile very big anymore when I speak. It just hurts too bad. So there's a very real possibility that I'm still here, but I'm not able to do what I've always done. So what do we do about that? Is, does that mean it's time for me to go? I just roll over and die? Or I, I just go back home? What do I do? What do I do? I train you for the work of the ministry. But who do I train? Faithful men. I need faithful people. I really do appreciate you folks coming back tonight. Those of you that were in the morning service and making time for this tonight. I want you to understand the heart, the vision for the ministry here. It's as permanent as I know how to make it. And it all starts. You say, what can we do we need somebody to rise up. What can we do? Just be faithful.
Just be dependable. That's what we need. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Caleb will play something quietly. I know I've gone a bit long. I kind of reckon it needed to be done tonight. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Give you a moment to think on this, pray on this. You might want to reassess your priorities. What does it take to keep you out of church? You wouldn't do your boss like this. I'm not asking you to. But if I read my Bible correctly, the church is just as, if not more important than that job you got. You students, you'll work, you'll work so hard to study for that exam. And then when the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, do you work as hard at that? He said, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You'll get distinctions in school, but when you stand before the Lord, will you be able to say, I worked just as hard at studying my Bible? I've tried real hard tonight not to overstep my bounds. I don't think I've asked for anything outrageous. I didn't ask anybody to dig deep in their pockets and give more money. I'm not asking you to overextend yourself and, and do something that God hasn't gifted you to do. Faithful. Dependable. You know, the real, the real result of this sermon will be next week. That's when we'll know what God did tonight. And the week after. And the week after. Father, please help us. Lord, please, please tell the, tell the church, Lord, that I love them. God, I didn't come here. I didn't. Lord, I have never had the intention of making this a temporary stop. Lord, I want to see your church go on and on and on. And I don't want it to be dependent on me, God. I want it to be dependent on you. Lord, I believe if we do it your way, it can go on and on and it can be profitable for you. Lord, please help us not to grieve you by being unfaithful. If there are broken teeth out there tonight or feet out of joint, Father, would you heal? 
those broken parts. Lord, we're in it for the long haul. We want to be used. Lord, make this church what you want it to be, what it needs to be. Make whatever changes you need, Lord. We're yours. You purchased us with your blood. We're yours. Oh God, please give us faithful people. Faithful people, please God help us. Thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts today, for telling us what we needed to hear. God, thank you for the liberty to preach such things, for these people that came back and willing to listen, willing to take this, Lord. Bless them for it. Father, thank you. Thank you for being so good to us. And we ask it and thank you all this in Jesus' name. Amen.